from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Today, it's kind of weird, I get to do something in person. I really, if I ever get to do interviews in person, but I get to talk to my good friend, David Jacobson. Known him a little over a decade. We mm-hmm. served on the board together. We We've been to other, you know, meetings together. I think we might have uh, been in our underwear together. We Some were, kind of yeah. graduation. That's a different story. story. Different yeah. story. Yeah. But welcome to Laughbox, my friend. Thank awesome you, to sir. Have you uh, with me? Thank so you. So obviously, we've spent a lot of time together. We have tons of time together. Mm-hmm. So. For the listeners out there, if you can give us a, a little bit about you, I mean, you're pretty accomplished. I mean, you're a social Thanks. worker, Thanks. you're an author, you're a speaker. I was never you're an a... officer in the Navy, though. Well, That's one thing I didn't do. Anybody yeah. can do that if I can. <laughs> True, if I graduated the bottom <laughs> bottom 10% of my high school class. Oh, so you. it's. Uh... I kind of did too. All right. It's another I, thing we have with in something common. Something we have in common. <laughs> All right, so, you know, a little bit about, you know, you. Okay. The man, the myth, the legend. Ah, oh, geez. Uh, currently, I am uh, Director of Behavioral Health Case Management at Banner University Medical Center in Tucson. It's my old stomping ground. I left for a while to work with uh, veterans such as yourself, although some were older than you. Uh, some were actually younger than you, yeah. but um, mostly younger than you. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm guessing you're, never mind, we won't go into age here. 50. Okay, there we 50. go. Yeah, all right. Uh, so that's my current uh, position. I'm loving my job. I did love it when I was working at the VA as well. Uh, used therapeutic there, humor there with veterans, and now I'm using it with other psychiatric patients. That's interesting because you know a lot of times you know, and I want to start. I want to talk about your um, your new book that you know it's not brand new because it's been mm-hmm. a couple months, but we had a little trouble connecting. But I want to make sure we talk about that. But just thinking about some of the dynamics of working at the VA, because I know that mm-hmm. the VA gets a bad rap. It does. You know, that, really you know I, I know a lot of veterans, and, you know, it's sometimes when you go there, it's a very dark, dank place, and, you know, people are unhappy, but it's kind of cool that you're able to infuse some humor in, you know, in, mm-hmm. in working with the vets there. And, and so, you know, what was what some of the things you worked with there? Because to me, as a vet, it's really interesting. Yeah, Chip, I'm really glad you asked that question because I, I didn't even think about going into that, but it is extremely unique. Uh, what I, I'm proud to say is that I am the first and only person who had humor consults at the VA. Really? Yes. So these were um, put out to our, our mental health professionals. So at the Phoenix VA where this whole scandal broke and all this horrible things, um, I actually went there to be part of the fix. We doubled the number of mental health professionals there. We gave them 24-hour coverage of mental health in the emergency room. So we did some wonderful stuff as fallout from the horrible things that happened. Wow. But uh, the unique thing about humor consults is it actually was an official VA consult that a psychiatrist or a therapist could put in to have me come in and meet with the veteran to see if we can improve their sense of humor. Really? And these were by patient requests. That yeah. is so cool because that is so <laughs> non-government. It is. I mean, it, you think about it because it's like, you know, I always think about what Ronald Reagan is like, oh, we're here from the government, we're here to help. I mean, yeah. he was a funny president and mm-hmm. that was, you know, kind of a joke. But truthfully, that's sometimes the mindset. It's very, it you know, is, even though right. some of the funniest people I know have been in the military. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, people like seriously warp senses of humor because yeah. it's how we, how we, you know, dealt with stuff and how we cope with things. But, you know, to have actually... You know, having a consult 
you know, that, well, you think you need to constantly, you need to improve your sense of humor. I mean, that is fantastic. Yeah, it really was something, and it really helped with the culture. I mean, there are there's a lot of therapists at the VA that do use therapeutic humor uh-huh. uh, as an adjunct to the evidence-based therapy. So it's out there. It's just not something that's talked about a lot because right. it's not a topic that, uh, comes up in, in, in a bureaucratic organization like that. Well, not only that, but it's one of those things that within our society, we look at humor as kind of like a nice to have, not a need to have. And you think about like tax dollars paying for something mm-hmm. that people have like, well, we're, we're tax dollars. We're paying for people to get a better sense of humor. That's not, that's not, I mean, seriously. I mean, because yeah, yeah, I remember I was point. a few years ago, um, there was a government agency, uh, a government agency was looking for some, you know, like trying to shift their culture to use a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. So it would, they, you know, and you know how things work within the government, they put an RFP out and so people bid on it. Mm-hmm. And once it hit the street and the RFP was out there and the, and the, um, media got a hold of it, it's like, Oh, it looks like, uh, these people here are trying to have fun on the government, you know, on the, on the taxpayer's dollar. I mean, right. when truthfully, I mean, we know that, you know, humor is one of those things that really can, like you said, just like the VA helps shift a culture, mm-hmm. but you know, it's that, it's that mindset that, Oh, uh, these two shouldn't meet. No, it's, yeah. it's a good point. And curious people out there might wonder, well, geez, yes, are veterans charged for this service? Yeah. And the answer is, of course not. I'm uh, proud to say I was a GS-14 chief. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, when I gave my services to veterans, it wasn't through a billing system. Yeah. So it was just that it was, a, it was an informal consult. I met with the veteran and their therapist. And we talked about some humor strategies that might work for them. Yeah. Awesome, so, awesome. That's yeah. that I mean, it's so cool. I'm glad that that came up in the conversation because I yeah. thought we were just going to talk about your book. But yeah. you know, think about that as a vet. It just like you know, warms the cockles in my heart a little bit. So all right, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's funny. do delve into your book a little bit. So you know, you've had it out. It's what about six months or so? Well, the new one is that it's called the uh, Jacobson Joy Inventory. Oh. Yes. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. What's that? It's been so, out about yeah, six months or what's so. What's the, um, give me the, the gist, what's the rundown? So the, what the Jacobson Joy Inventory is, it's a, a new look at measuring depression. Uh-huh. So um, many clinicians, therapists are familiar with the PHQ-9, which is the, the gold standard for measuring depression. And the other gold standard is the Beck Depression Inventory. Uh, both of these are wonderful measures. If we didn't have them, a lot of people would not get help. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing bad to say about them. Uh, but I have something good to say about the new ones, the two new ones that are in this book. And the idea of the book is to prompt research into positive measures. Okay. So uh, the Jacobson Joy Inventory is a flip of the Beck Depression Scale. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking someone, how sad are you? The question is, how happy are you? Okay. Are you ever happy? Have you been happy in the last week? You know, uh, have you ever felt joy in the last week? Uh, have you done something positive? You know, what do you like? Yeah, those type of questions instead of how miserable are you? How sad are you? Uh, you feel like killing yourself today? You know, those type of questions. And the theory is uh, that I'm hopeful to find out is that if you answer these questions like I'm not happy at all, it should be the same as saying I'm depressed or yes, I'm sad. Okay. So theoretically, I can find out if someone has a major depression because they're going to have all zeros on the questions, but they're all worded positively. So you're not going to feel so bad when you finish the test. Right. I mentioned with the other one, <laughs> like I would take it. It's like I would probably feel worse afterwards. Yeah. If I was looking at the the, the depression scale, it's like, oh man, my life really does suck ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and think about it from the clinician's viewpoint, or most of us don't see a mental health therapist. We see a family doctor. Right. Now, how many family doctors are willing to even give a depression test to their patients? Mm. They don't want to go there. Right. But how many family doctors would want to give a joy test to their patients? 
<laughs> it might be something that'll open the door for the physician to find out, wow, this person's dealing with depression, but I found out I, I found out about it in a much more comfortable way. Well, I think that would be like just an application for anybody out there at home. I mean, like if it were me and I would want to see like what my joy scale would be, mm -hmm. you know, that it's like, oh, I can go to this website and I can you know, see like, you know, maybe prompt me after taking it of, you know, hopefully it'd be some things that like some interventions I could take myself in order to maybe experience a little more joy. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I assume as a clinician, that's what, right. yeah, you know, you, you do it and then you're just like, all right, you know, this is where you're at. These are probably some things you can do to, you know, increase that. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, personally, if I didn't go want to go see a, see you, not that there's yeah. anything wrong with, not that there's anything wrong with therapy at all. I mean, right. I, I'm just right. saying is that a lot of times people's like, oh yeah, I just want to see where I'm at on a scale. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So are there plans to take it out to the general public then? Uh, or? There are. I mean, first it does have to go through research and I've just submitted it to the Institutional Review Board at uh, Banner University uh, Medical Center. The challenge with this is I created the measures and that because of the conflict of interest, I can't be the principal investigator of my own measure. Right. Might be a little biased there. <laughs> that would be so. funny. It was things like <laughs> when I used to write term papers in yeah. college, you know, I would make my statement, you mm -hmm. know, the, you know, the, my, you know, my qualifying statement, and then yeah. I'd go back and find the research that supported what I wanted right. to, to, to so because exactly. it's like, yeah. it was all logical. Yeah. I'm like, I'm completely building the case for me. So Exactly. <laughs> so the challenge is to find a principal investigator that doesn't know me. Right. Uh, or someone that doesn't know me well enough where it's going to skew the data. Uh -huh. So our wonderful president, Heidi Hanna, is actually taking this with her to bring it to people that are looking for research projects in humor. Oh, cool. So, and this is just our discussion as of yesterday. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm very optimistic now that I'll find some principal investigators, perhaps even at Harvard or one of the other universities that want to take on this project and uh, do it. And the more research and the more projects there are on it, the more reliable and valid it'll become. So yeah, I, that I, is awesome. Yeah. And I yeah. just, I mean, I like the fact that it's helping people look at the more positive in their lives versus the more the, the more negative. Because mm -hmm. we as human beings kind of like tend to focus in on the negative all the time. It's just we, you know we, I, we do, I yeah. don't know why, why do we do that. Um, it's natural. It's it's a natural okay. thing. I mean, we, we we tend to go to the negative. You know, it's kind of like when something goes bad in the morning, we we go to that. Oh no, it's a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. I mean, when you wake up and nothing bad happens and something good happens, you don't go. Wow, this is going to be a great day because I had my cup of coffee on time. Yeah. I mean, we just don't think like that. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, good luck with that. But I do yeah. absolutely want to talk about you know the seven and a half habits of highly humorous people because oh. I think those are you know those are interventions anybody could take. I mean, tethering it back to what we were just talking about, you know, and being a little bit joyful in our life. So you know. Let's you know. Let's hit on that because you know. Okay. I think it's a. Uh, I, I think that that's that's been just what this conference has been doing since it started. Mm -hmm. uh, at the AATH conference, um, a lot of what the speakers have already been talking about are changing the half habit, and so everyone usually asks, "Well, what's a half habit?" And the half habit is changing your thoughts from negative to positive. Mm -hmm. So if we think we have about sixty thousand thoughts a day, imagine if um, you could at least have. 30,000 of those thoughts be positive. How much healthier would you be? How much better would you feel about yourself? Mm -hmm. So the idea is to come up with ways to take your negative thoughts and and turn them into positive thoughts. Seriously, you, know? you have 60,000 thoughts a day? Um, I haven't counted them, 
but I've heard that that's about. No, I was many. just thinking, just so funny is that you know when you're like you know you have sixty thousand thoughts a day, and then obviously I have a couple more thoughts on that, and then I'm thinking as like, <laughs> well, and, then 60, then, and then you're like, well, then you take thirty thousand of those, you make it more positive, and then my automatic mindset is like, God, that sounds like a lot of freaking work. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, you know. I'm glad you said it's a lot of work because it's a lot of work to have negative thoughts. Uh-huh. I mean, when we think about, we they talked about focus at this conference and how we focus on that negative. Uh-huh. All those thoughts do have a, a physiological effects on our body as well. When right. we think negatively, when you watch a horror film, negative ha- things happen to your body. When you watch a comedy, positive things happen to your comedy. So people that like horror out there, I understand that, that's fine. Just watch something funny afterwards so that you can balance out your And just for the record for the listeners, he is saying horror, not, oh. not, not horror, <laughs> not, you know, not, you know, horror movies. Well, so, I'm from Rochester, New York, so, and that's part of the I just want to make sure show. I clarified that, you know, just in case you're like, well, I haven't watched yeah. any horror movies for yeah. a while. Because <laughs> okay. definitely something different physiolo- physiologically oh, oh, yeah, happened. That's different. That's yeah, completely that's, different. Yeah, that goes to a whole different place yeah <laughs> oh it's okay. funny so that's the half habit that's what, the are half the, habit. what are the seven you know the... Uh, well you know the, the others are based on i thought well what do i do on a regular basis every day that are my humor habits that are just kind of natural to me now because that's why i've coped with chronic pain and arthritis for for many years oh really so that's where that came from it's uh-huh. like okay how do i cope with this illness so the first one is um to treat humor as a necessity not a luxury so like to me I treat humor, I, I wouldn't say I treat it like going to the bathroom because that's not a good analogy. Unless you like bathroom humor. Unless you do like potty humor, yeah. Which but, I do. And, you, and you do have to do that every day. Right. So what if you had to have humor every day just like that or like brushing your teeth or any other habit that you do every single day, if you use humor on a daily basis, again, uh, and make it a necessity, you will improve your sense of humor, no doubt about it. And you might even be a more humorous person. You might even be funny like you. And and that's you know not easy for everybody. But I don't practice, so I don't know. It's for me. It's one of those things that I guess I'm lucky because I grew up in a funny household. Mm-hmm. Like I got four brothers, and you know you had you had to like, just kind of like cope with humor yeah. because you know four older brothers they were always like, hey Chip, come oh, here, yeah. let me tell you a secret, and they'd spit in my ear. Mm-hmm. Or, you know your brother holds you down. They do the long spit thing and they <laughs> slurp it up. I mean. Sure, you could go tell your mom or your dad, but they're just gonna laugh at you. So yeah. you, might, you might as well actually try to cope with things and get them back. Mm-hmm. Very similar background. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the youngest brother. <laughs> yeah, me too. Family. Okay. Yeah. yeah so you know what I'm was, talking. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I remember. And, you know. It, yeah. Go ahead. With uh, one Easter, because it's uh, always funny things like you look for those things to get your brothers back on. So mm-hmm. I remember it was one Easter. We used to go out to my grandma's all the time, and um, she would make. Uh, deviled eggs with hard-boiled eggs from the Easter egg hunt and stuff so my brother Matt was just pretending like to shove one in my face and I'm, mm-hmm. I must have been like seven or eight I'm like oh you can shove one in my face it's okay I won't say anything so then he <laughs> did it and then I, I went in the house with you know, egg all over my face like oh, uh, Matt did this to me and I was yeah. like to this day I still laugh about that because I got you back bitch. Uh, I, I remember that I remember that when I was little uh we, I remember my cousin Anita once was babysitting us, uh-huh. you know, and me being the youngest, and I have a sister about two and a half years older, and then two brothers older than that, every yeah. three years older. So once, uh, and and of course the, the kids are were notorious, we were all ADHD bouncing off the walls anyway. Right. So uh, I remember Anita saying to me once, now don't do anything behind my back. 
And as a child, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And my brother's egging me on, said, well, um, that means that as long as she can't see you and it's behind her back, it's okay. Like, you can go over and hit your sister now and it's okay. <laughs> so I went over and punched my sister and that's because they egged me on and said it was I had permission because right. it was behind her back. Right, that's hilarious. That was my first, yeah. Yeah, so it must maybe it's like <laughs> when you're youngest and you just have to learn how to cope with stuff a little bit differently. But yeah. even with my whole family, I mean, they're all pretty funny. You know, they yeah. just express it a little bit differently. So, you know, practices, you know, one, what about some of the other habits you have in there um, for? Yeah. So there's, uh, um, gee, I got to think about them now. Let's see, what are some of the other Isn't ones? it funny how it's like, okay, so like, <laughs> I, I mean, for my, book. well, because I know what it's like, because with my new book, it's like somebody was you know, going to interview me for a yeah. podcast, and they're like, all right, well, uh, and I had to think about what the hell did I write in there? I don't yeah. even remember anymore, because you do like a brain dump afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get it all out there, you're like, oh, good, and your brain goes kind of like on hiatus, and then yeah. you have to like reread your stuff to see what was there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, 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 and that helped me prompt me. Thanks for giving me that minute to think about what they were. Uh, another one is um, to uh, use your humor communication to improve your relations. Uh -huh. uh, so if you can speak in a humorous manner, we know when something's said humorously that, uh, that people are more willing to listen. And I know you're big on humor and leadership. Mm -hmm. So in leadership, when I send out an email, if I have something humorous to tell my team, they're more likely to read it. So it's like, oh, what's David gonna say in this email? Right. So it gets people's attention. So if you can use humor in your communication, you're going to improve the ability of people to communicate with each other. Well, okay, and, and I firmly believe that. When people are laughing, they're listening, and it draws mm -hmm. people in a little bit more. You know, what about in your, uh, say, your closest personal relationships, like mm -hmm. with your spouse or your significant yeah. other? You know, what are, is there any tips you can give on trying to incorporate that? Because sometimes, like, I don't know, like, I try to, express things when I feel them so I don't hold them in but there's mm -hmm. some things I hold on to too long oh, yeah. and then when I go to talk about it you know I'll tell myself in my head all right chip don't be an ass don't be an ass mm -hmm. don't be an ass but when it comes to my mouth I'm an ass so <laughs> what is, is there any yes, way I can yeah. you help me out man yeah, help that, me that, out so my wife no, I mean, I and I and I you know I have a wife too and and I say really stupid things to her and uh so one thing but that, she's saying funny so she loves it no no, no. I mean, the worst thing you can do when someone's mad at you is to laugh in their face. Right. right? So, uh, so what I do is I use humorous fantasies. Uh -huh. You know, so because I get we get sucked into it too. Right. You know, they're mad. It's aggravating us. We get yeah. mad back. Yeah. So what I try to do is I I step out and I try to think about it from that different viewpoint. You know, like I. I I'll become Marvin the Martian from, oh, I'm very angry, yeah. you know, that, that guy. And, and I think like, well, what would Marvin do in this situation? Uh -huh. You know, and, and it, it lets me get out of the angry because when you when you have someone in your that's close to you, like you're saying, it's usually someone that you really care about, you really love, you yeah. don't want to be fighting with this person. Yeah. And at the same time, when they're in anger, they're saying, Chip, help me, I'm about to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be in the position to be able to let them vent and still hold your own cool. Right. And humorous fantasies do that. If you can do something a little silly, and again, I'm not saying laugh in their face, right. but say do some humorous fantasy but in your own mind so you're so in a you're, I mean, state. to me, what you're saying to me is like, the way I'm taking it is that, you know, not acting in the moment, but, you know, stepping out, you know, what that humorous fantasy allows you to do is step out of that, like, anger spiral. Mm -hmm. So you can, like, exactly. so when you go to address it, then it's, uh, 
you can be a little more calm. You're not, you right. know, all the adrenaline's not pumping. You're not wanting to spike the ball and win the fight. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of, you know, you, you've got a different mindset. That's yeah. a, that's so smart. That is yeah. awesome because yeah. a lot of times you get so worked up in a situation. You get all, you know, like for me, I get, I just, everybody wants to win, you know, right, in, right. In, in, in any kind of argument. Everybody wants to have some, the other person see their point and it's like you want to spike the ball, yeah. you know, and that does nothing good for a relationship, no, nothing. But, no. you know, taking that like, you know, like mental hiatus, that that humor break in your head, I mean, that's that's an awesome tip. That is great. Well, I, I, I like I love what Phyllis Diller said on that. She said, never go to bed angry. Stay up and fight, you know. <laughs> and it, instead of staying up and fighting, you can, you can do something to uh, – Break that tension and anger and mm-hmm. and go to bed smiling instead. Right, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So using you know communicate you know humor in your communication, but and we just kind of ventured, went down a little rabbit hole in there because that was yeah. a little bit about you know communication, but more of just kind of like you know, shifting your mindset, using humor to shift your mindset, which mm-hmm. is you know probably a little bit more in that half habit you were talking about at the very beginning. Yeah. So you know, um, give me some more, man. You're like okay. we're on a roll. This is well, awesome. There, uh, there's also. Um, well, the final one is, I think, as important as the half one, and that is act like the highly humorous person you become or are becoming. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between pretending and acting. When we act as if something, we become it. So that's what happens with habits is the more I act humorous, the more humorous I become. So the more we can practice that and really believe in, in what we're doing, uh, it's going to improve your sense of humor. So I, I always like the idea of, you know, fake it till you make it, you mm-hmm. know, act, act humorous or act humorous in certain situations, practice, and it'll become a habit over time. Well, so how do you act humor? I mean, so you, help yeah. me. I mean, how does so that... it's putting on those humor filtered glasses. Uh-huh. We, we hear a lot of that at AAPH conferences, looking at it from a different point of view. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. And this is another habit is keeping your eyes open for humor. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the seven habits is if you're looking for humor, you're going to find it. Like one day, uh, when I was in Israel, I served in Israel, um, I was getting on a bus, I looked outside the bus and I was looking for humor. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking outside the bus, I see this Palestinian mom and her three little kids. There's like this four-year-old, six-year-old and a 10-year-old. And she's giving them each a chocolate bar. And the four-year-old takes that whole chocolate bar, crams it and shoves it in his mouth so his mouth is just melting filled with chocolate Mm -hmm. looks up at the middle brother and we can relate to this and grabs his bar too and shoves that whole thing in his mouth (laughs) and as that bus is pulling out i'm cracking up laughing saying geez this could have been me and my brothers growing up you know i mean do you see the connection that that humor gives it's universal and everyone has laughter and shares laughter so it also decreases prejudice and judgment we get to see how much more we have in common with other okay. people that makes sense because like for me when i travel all the time i just you know i love some people are like oh you mind that you got a three-hour layover mm. in the airport i'm like absolutely not i mean <laughs> the airport is a cornucopia of different sites <laughs> that i mean you're gonna find some you're gonna yeah. find some funny stuff there it's a laugh at or you're gonna see it because you know people people are just crazy yeah. funny but chip that's because you're looking for it Oh, yeah, I absolutely look for it. And then I wish somebody was there I could share it with. Normally, I travel by myself. So I see something, I'm like, man, they must have a different kind of mirror than I do because if they had my mirror, they wouldn't be wearing that today. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, man, I wish wish my brother was here. So, you know, because there are a lot of things that. uh, Uh, Talking about that, um, I have a best friend. He's been my best friend since we were three years old, which is 57 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually became best friends because. 
he was on one side of the street, I was on the other. I, I, I did a no-no and I ran across the street and there was this worm and I picked up the worm and this girl went by and I wiggled it in her face and she ran away screaming. Mm. And we just died cracking up laughing and we've been laughing ever since. That's awesome. So we have a special rule. We're, we're our humor buddies. Mm -hmm. so his name's David Lempert. Uh, anytime we talk to each other on the phone, he's on the East Coast, I'm West, is uh, what happens is when when I have a day that's not so good or he's had a day that's not so good, or if we're just touching base, how we doing with each other, uh, we always have to let each other know who we made laugh that day right? and what was the situation. And in the last, I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many decades, we've never failed at that. We've always had a story to share of who we made laugh that day. So and I, it keeps us on our toes. So did you say how often do you keep in contact then? Uh, we, we, sometimes we'll talk um, every week. Sometimes yeah. it'll be a month or two that goes by. Yeah. But um, whenever it is, we we do that. What, that's fun, we, that's we cool. Let me say what it's like. I got four brothers, and I, mm -hmm. I love them all. But there's one that's my best friend. And yeah. I, I, same type of thing. He's my humor buddy. It's like mm -hmm. a lot of times we know exactly because we've known each other so long. We yeah. know exactly you know what the context is of uh -huh. what we're sharing. It doesn't take a lot of explanation. Right. I can just send him a you know a quick snapshot or something, or mm -hmm. say one say one word, and then we both you know we both know what's going on. So and well, sometimes it's like you know we'll just call the you know, complain a little bit too, but would always turn into something, you know, humorous at the end because, you know, you got to get some things yeah. off your chest with your best friend, but um, the the laughing times are the best. I think the coolest thing about that, and that's cool that we, we both can do that, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening do this too, mm -hmm. is that in those cases, because we always caution about the appropriate humor versus inappropriate humor. Well, there is no inappropriate humor with your brother or yeah. my best friend. <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about it is there's things we can say that I can't say to anyone else. Right. I certainly couldn't say on the right. show. You know, but so you know true. what I'm saying? I yeah. know that audience. I absolutely know that <laughs> yeah. audience. Where sometimes, because I've had humor go completely wrong, where I say something because yeah. my mind's working faster than, right. um, or my mouth's working faster than my mind, either or, but I'll say something afterwards. I'm like, oh, Lutz, you are a turd in the punch bowl. You should have not said that. You know, well, you can share that with your brother. Right? <laughs> exactly, with him. I completely know that audience. You know, yeah. I can I can be the turd in the punch bowl and still smell like punch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. What is so, uh, you know, just, you know, from your point of view of mm -hmm. being, you know, who you are, because you are a certified human professional out there, what are some, like, tips that you just share with people uh, that this is something, you know, something that I do every day to help me, you know, keep my yeah. my mind in the game? Well, uh, another, it's a habit, and it's, a, it's the safest one, and you'll hear this a lot uh, in therapeutic humor, is the self-effacing humor, mm -hmm. that poking fun at ourselves. Right. Um, that's, if someone's afraid and they don't know where to start with using humor, a little, a little self-effacing humor is a great introduction to get to feel for someone that you may not know that well and don't know how they're going to take it. Right. So, um, of course, the only caution to that is if you got self-esteem problems, if you're have self-confidence problems, you don't want to be putting yourself down all the time. Right. But if you have enough self-confidence to do it, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I always make fun of myself all yeah. the time. I make fun of you too, but uh, <laughs> not that often. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I haven't seen you for a couple of years. So, <laughs> it has yeah, been absolutely, a while. Yeah. yeah. So after today, you know, because I've really enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed yeah. the, um, the book. I enjoy, I love the, um, the whole uh, way you're shifting to instead of looking at depression, looking at uh, the joy scale uh, for mm -hmm. people, because I think that it's you know, so powerful and really helps people shift their mindset a little bit. 
Um, if after today people want to find you, where do they go? Uh, I have a website, humorhorizons.com. Okay. And uh, that's my email, too, is humorhorizons at gmail. So okay. it's easy right. to remember and welcome to get a hold of me and be glad to talk to anyone. Cool. Now, this is my inaugural. And I, normally, I would end the conversation here, but... I decided, you know, we need to add something a little bit more humorous at the end of the conversation. So you were my first institute, your favorite joke to share at the end of the, the end of the end of end of the okay. podcast. Well, so I mean, I don't really, I don't think I have a favorite joke, but I have one that that helps me deal with being sixty now because I'm starting to get those that brain fog and stuff, mm -hmm. especially with some of the medications I'm on. So I I like this story about the, these two older couples are taking a walk. And uh, the, both older men are talking to each other and one saying, yeah, you know, I just don't remember things the way I used to and I don't really have a system. I don't know how to remember anything. And his friend Sid says, oh, well, I've got a perfect memory system. It works every time. And he's like, really? Well, Sid, what is that? He goes, uh, he says, well, for example, um, where are we all going right now? And he goes, well, we're going out to eat. And he says, what's the name of the restaurant? He goes, I don't know. So Sid, do you know? says no but I have the perfect way to figure it out well well tell me Sid he goes okay um, uh, what's that flower that's got like the thorns on it um, oh oh a rose he goes that's it and he turns to his wife Rose what's the name of the restaurant we're going to <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm going to share that okay. with my wife as well because I'm that uh, i not 60, but I can't remember stuff. No, I, and my I wife just, remembers everything. So That's that, good. That's good. Good. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much Thanks, for spending Jim. time with today. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I know that the listeners out there are going to get a lot from the things you share. And I'll encourage everybody to check out you know David on his website. I'm sure that um, I, you on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, anything? Yeah, not really. You know, I, I'm not really... Just my humor horizons. All right, connect with you there. I was trying to give him a plug there, but you know, <laughs> screw it. Never mind. Anyway, thanks a lot, my friend. Thank you. This is Laughbox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Laughbox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review Laughbox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.